that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Very rainy and wet day in Louisville. I'm actually okay with it. If it wants to be warm and rain, that beats snow in March for me. Ten out of ten days, every day of the week, which is seven out of seven days. But I will take the rain. I'm happy with the rain as long as it means it's not cold. Uh, But there's a lot of it. And because of that rain, we're doing the show today. Louisville's baseball game, which was scheduled to start at 3 o'clock, pushed back to 5. Although if it doesn't stop raining, I don't know how they're going to get that game in. I know they play on uh, artificial field turf, but I don't think anybody wants to be out in the rain in those conditions. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But all that I know is that we're going to do the show, and that's good news. As uh, We were only scheduled to have yesterday and Thursday. And in March, you can take any day you can get. Yates, how are you today? I'm doing well. TJ, how are you? I'm doing great. We're, uh, again, a, a surprise showing as soon as we found out that the game was going to be postponed. We uh, pulled some strings and made sure we could get on the air to be able to talk plenty of good stuff. So here we are, tweeting the show at Walker Rivals. Let me know what's going on with you. Love reading the tweets out loud and, and letting you talk about what you want to talk about. So make sure you do that. First, I want to start with this first segment might not be the most fun segment because there's a few things. It's, it, it might be a little more negative than than it should be. First, well, I, I want to talk about Dan Shaughnessy, Boston Globe, who wrote a column about John Calipari getting his jersey retired. It, it, not you know John Calipari never wore a jersey, but getting his, getting honored at UMass, having his name up in the rafters, uh, Patino's name. You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Run DMC texting the show and says that's the Sports Talker I know and love. A few technical hiccups to start the show. A little late getting on the air, and then uh, I didn't even notice we had gone off the air until Yates had said something. Uh, I was talking to myself. We're back now. Hopefully we shouldn't have any more problems. Uh, I guess I can't make any promises. We had been so good. I think I even commented on how, uh, how solid the connection had been over the last few months. Yeah, but it is what it is. We'll move on, and if we go out again, we go out again. Anyways, I was talking about Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe. He wrote another article about John Calipari. Uh, If you're familiar with it, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, read it if you'd like. You're probably not going to like what you read. Uh, one One of the quotes was, but as a Massachusetts taxpayer, I have a problem with UMass retiring Coach Cal's number. Really, Bill Cosby's jersey is not available. I don't know exactly when I went out, so I'll repeat myself there. I read the column and it was stupid. It was just sounded like a bitter old man grasping at straws, and really that's what it is. And then I heard him go on Paul Feinbaum's show, and I heard him go on a a, a show in Boston, and it 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 didn't change my outlook on the art on the column. It was still a stupid column. Uh, 
I guess maybe it changed my outlook on Shaughnessy as a person. He, it, I, I'm sure he's a fine person. He talked about how much he enjoys watching John Calipari coach and watching and covering him and how uh, energetic and uh, such a personality, which I, I don't know how anybody that has covered him could say they did not enjoy covering him based on, you know, I, I've covered every sport at UK. Uh, he's got more of a personality really than than most coaches you'll come across. So he's right about that. But he just he, he continued to miss some of the big points and not answer some of the big questions. And then some of the Paul Feinbaum and some of the other guys didn't ask him the right questions. The one of the things that really bothered it didn't really bother me. One of the things I thought was so stupid was how he kept calling John Calipari's nefarious John. Which means wicked or evil. I don't know how you... Uh, if you have covered John Calipari, and you've really covered him, I don't know how you could say that he's an evil person. Now, if you want to bring up his past at UMass and Memphis, and he does it several times, then you, at worst you could call him a cheater which I disagree with, and, and we could go on and on about why I disagree with that. At worst, you could call him a cheater. I don't know why you could call him an evil person. I couldn't sleep this morning. I woke up about 6 and, and read the oral history of the 2010 UK season where they interviewed everybody that was associated with that team. And One of the things that really stood out and people don't really talk about now is the Hoops for Haiti tele telethon that the UK team did. During the middle of the season, raised over a million dollars for Haiti after the earthquake that killed thousands, injured millions. I, 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 if, if John Calipari is nefarious John, why would he do that? And if you've covered him at UK, again, if you've covered him anywhere, he did the same thing at Memphis. He's got a good track record off the court. He does the right things. He's got a lot of money, and he puts it to good use. He's not getting in, he's not getting in trouble with the law. You don't hear about a late-night reputation with John Calipari. But all those things he, he fails to, to discuss and touch on. He just talks about how he shouldn't be honored at UMass because of what he did with with the program, which really all that happened was the Final Four was vacated because Marcus Camby was had an agent. And, and he went on radio and talked about how John Calipari is the head of that program. He should know about that. And I, not to sound hypocritical, because at a place like Syracuse, I, I have not sticked up for Jim Beheim. Roy Williams at UNC, I, I have said that he's guilty. So why shouldn't I? Uh, why shouldn't UK fans feel the same way about John Calipari? Because it, it, my logic on those programs, where the head guy should know what's going on underneath them, you're the boss. You're accountable for everything that goes on underneath. Well, obviously, the main difference is this was one isolated incident. Marcus Canby had an agent. Should John Calipari have known about that? Probably should have, but it's not like a decade of academic fraud was going on. 
it's not a decade of players having agents. But John Calipari probably should have been more careful about that. The NCAA didn't blame him for it. So he moves on. And then Dan Shaughnessy talks about how the same thing happened at Memphis, and you don't see Memphis honoring him. Here's the thing. Memphis might honor him. They very well very well could. Right now, it's probably still a little too raw for Memphis because he could be do, he probably could and should and possibly probably would be doing the same thing at Memphis that he's doing at Kentucky right now. Maybe not to this degree, but he'd definitely be having good teams. And that 2009-2010 team, he would have gotten John Wall. He would have gotten DeMarcus Cousins. And the big one-and-done revolution in college basketball could have happened at Memphis. And everything that happened at Kentucky could have happened there. Maybe not to this degree on such a huge national scale, but John Calipari would still be getting top three recruiting classes there if he did the John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins experience there and won at a high level like he did at UK. So someday Memphis probably is going to honor him. You look at Memphis now and what's going on with Passner, they look back at the John Calipari days as the golden age. Same as UMass. John Calipari is changing college basketball, and, and any program that has been a part of that, they should want to be able to hold on to that success, point to that success, and it can help their entire program. That's what UMass is doing. makes perfect sense. UMass isn't going to get five stars or really even four stars. But you could get some three stars, and, and, and you could get some three stars because John Calipari coached there. And you could have the AD say, well, the coach we've got now, he, he's moving us in the right direction. It kind of reminds me of those times. And, and a three-star could be really interested in being a part of that. Overall, poorly written column. Uh, it just well, not poorly written, very well written. Uh, he's, a, he's a great writer, Dan Shaughnessy is. But just stupid points. It's just such a stretch. He, he, he points to why John Calipari is a bad person because back in 96 or 95 or whenever it was, he, didn't, he invited media over to his house for Selection Sunday. He still does this to this day at UK when, when it's possible. I think there's been some SEC tournaments where they haven't done it. He invites media over for the Selection Sunday ceremony, and uh, I guess back when he did it at UMass one time, he didn't invite a Boston Globe reporter. The story behind that supposedly is John Calipari was mad because they had illegally obtained, somebody had illegally obtained transcripts of UMass players who had bad grades, and the Boston Globe took it and ran with it despite it being illegal information to have. John Calipari is supposedly upset about that, did invite a Boston Globe reporter, later apologized about the incident. But Shaughnessy really hangs on to that. I, I don't get how you could use that in your corner if you were him. If anything, it, that, that, that hurts your case. One, why wouldn't you, if you were a coach, be mad at that? This is personal, confidential information. It's not like UMass was trying to hide the transcripts. That's stuff that they can deal in-house. And then uh, uh, it, it, it's not some blog online. It's the Boston Globe goes and runs with transcripts that they obtained, that somebody obtained illegally, gave to them, and they were happy to have. Of course he'd be upset. And then he later goes on to apologize about it, about being upset about it, probably because he just realizes that he was worked up. It shouldn't have turned into a big deal. He probably shouldn't have not invited a media member over. 
So he, if anything, that shows that he's an okay person. He made a mistake, or a mistake he thought, and moved on. So just just silliness. It seems it's around March where we always start to get these pieces. We get it's. I remember somebody wrote the the Cornell game back in the Sweet Sixteen. There was a ton of writing. There's always stuff go, that that's written about Kentucky. Who was it? Thayer Evans back in 2012 wrote about how Kentucky wouldn't win the title and pointed to all these reasons why they wouldn't, why they wouldn't. And then Kentucky goes on to win a title, and he doesn't write another thing about Kentucky since. So this is this is when college basketball is at its at its peak. So you got to strike when the iron's hot. Everybody's going to come in. If you want a piece read about college basketball, this is the time to write it. So this is why you see so many negative Kentucky, negative John Calipari columns, and it won't be the last one. But moving on, Kentucky does very well for itself in winning some SEC awards. John Calipari wins Coach of the Year in the SEC. Carl Anthony Towns wins freshman, wins freshman of the Year. Devin Booker wins Sixth Man of the Year. Willie Cauley-Steins win de- wins Defensive Player of the Year. And the only other major award that they missed out on was SEC Player of the Year, Bobby Portis of Arkansas lands that. I'm curious to see to, to hear what you all think. Is that deserved for Bobby Portis? I, I I think the it depends what you look for in SEC player of the year. Does it mean the most important player to his team? Which I don't think it ever should mean because you can take off the best player on any team and they're gonna be significantly worse. Bobby Portis had good numbers, averaged just under 18 points a game, over eight rebounds per game. But everybody knows he's not the best player in the SEC. For as good as he is, and he's great, I think he's going to be a good pro. Come on. He wouldn't even start on UK. And he wouldn't. He wouldn't start over Willie Cauley-Stein. He wouldn't start over Carl Anthony Towns. Two players that had better years than him this year and are better players. Could you start him at the three and put him over Trey Lyles? You probably can't start him at the three. If you could, maybe you would. But you probably can't start a six foot eleven, two hundred and forty-five pound player at that position. We've got a call from Say. Let's go to him. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I was just listening to you and. I actually didn't get to hear what Shaughnessy said yet. I'll probably I probably won't listen to it because it sounds like he's a complete hater. Um, but my my main thing is like I hear, especially on other stations and most of the Calipari haters they bring up, he had two uh, Final Fours vacated, which I find very interesting that uh, that they don't that USC and football did exactly. It actually was worse because not only was there academic issues, but they had with OJ Mayo and that. But the football team, literally, they caught. They have actual proof that Reggie Bush, you know, was getting impermissible benefits, and they didn't take their national championship away because they never take away national championships for some reason. They only like to go after Final Fours. But the thing, like, 
the things that Kyle's a lot been uh, gotten vacated from him are things that are really you could easily hide from a coach. Just like you probably hid stuff from your parents that your parents never knew that you did that would be wrong. Derrick Rose, to, and the only reason why we've heard about the Derrick Rose thing is because one of the hanger-ons of his entourage got kicked out of the entourage, and then he decided to say, let everyone know, oh, he didn't take his, uh, uh, he didn't take the SAT, and that someone else took it in, in Michigan while they were at an AAU tournament. But in, in none of those times did the guy say, Coach Cow knew about it, suggested, or someone from his office suggested having someone else take take the uh, SAT for Rose. Oh, it, was, and, and, it was something that was probably done by his brother and his entourage. If you think Calipari coordinated that, you're crazy. Uh, John Calipari, I don't think at any point in his career, but especially when he has name recognition when he did at Memphis in 2008, it wasn't like he was some... Um, New uh, new up and coming coach like he was when he took over UMass. At that point, he didn't he wouldn't need to cheat for one specific player. And I realized how good Derrick Rose was. He he single handedly led them to a national title. But if you think he would coordinate a player uh, to not take his SAT and let somebody else take it for him, knowingly to do that, then then if there was ever one bit of proof that he did coordinate that, he would he'd be gone. He, he wouldn't be allowed to coach. If you think what Bruce Pearl did, if they could pinpoint John Calipari to actually coordinating Derrick Rose to, have, to not take his SAT and let somebody else take it for him, they would banish him from college basketball for life. But the fact of the matter is they couldn't because he didn't. There's no way. And you look at this, and he's right, and say the caller is correct. They're not going to take away national titles. And I, I think if Derrick Rowe, I think if Memphis wins that national title, which they should have won and beat Kansas, they don't take it away. Now, the Canby stuff, that's a little tougher because he did have an agent throughout the year. And maybe Calipari should have known that. Maybe he needs to be smarter uh, about what his players are, are doing. Maybe. The Derrick Rowe stuff, no. And especially no because the NCAA cleared Rose before the season. And he was a high-profile case. A lot of big recruits are. That means they get extra attention from the NCAA. They, they make sure all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed. He was a high-profile case, and they still cleared him. And then after the year, they come back and say, how could anybody pinpoint that on Calipari? And he brings up, again, a good point about them not taking away titles. You know, you, you had Lance Thomas at Duke. And then Corey Maggette, obviously, at Duke. It, You know, it, it is what it is. It is just what fans of, of rival teams, it's it, they hear what they want to hear, they focus on what they want to focus, and they ignore some major factual parts. I'm not a big NCAA conspiracy theorist. I, I don't think they're out. I don't think they're necessarily out to... To hurt UK. People want to point to the their UK's NCAA roads the last few years. They probably had the toughest road of one seeds in 2010. Uh, they certainly had a tough road in 2011, uh, being in the number one overall seeds bracket. 2012, they had probably the best eight, nine teams, the best fours. If you look at it, 
history says, okay, Kentucky, since John Calipari took over, has had some really tough roads in the tournament. I Again, I'm not an NCAA conspiracist, but it is it is interesting. But I do believe that if the NCAA could pinpoint something to Calipari, if they could find that, you remember that story when Anthony Davis was supposedly asking for $180,000, $200,000, the Chicago, was it the Chicago Sun? Like they briefly mentioned it in this long story. If they could prove something like that or anything, I do believe the NCAA would love to really stick it to Calipari one one time where they could maybe push him out of the game. I think they want one time where they could say, look, you are in the wrong here. Maybe you didn't, maybe we didn't cite you at UMass. Maybe we didn't cite you at Memphis, but we've got you here. I think they would like that. And I'm not a conspiracist and I don't think they necessarily hate John Calipari as a person, but I do think they, I, I do think they would like to be right in thinking that, okay, maybe, maybe something, maybe he's hurting the game in some ways. Cause there are, there's just so many old people at the NCAA. It's just an old group of people for the most part that haven't really been able to transition into this new era of basketball. So they would love it. And people are trying, but guess what? Nothing's sticking right now because John Calipari's doing it the right way. And if he doesn't, and it turns out that he didn't, and, and he was cheating all along, then guess what? I'll eat, I'll eat crow uh, along with a lot of other national. Uh, there are a lot of national media members that that imagine and, and think that John Calipari's doing it right. Now, the ones that you hear about are the ones that don't. But you're not going to see. Mike DeCourcy of the of Sporting News write an article saying John Calipari does it the right way. Shut up everybody else because you know how do you, how do you write a, a long article that way? You can't. You say it, and that's pretty much it. Captain Arctic says hard to take Shaughnessy seriously. Epic troll of Kentucky fans and people in general. Hates everything that feels like Appalachia. So, spend probably too much time on that. Didn't want to spend that much time on it, but eh, it's kind of in the news today. And really, it's not a. It, I think the article was written a few days ago, but it, it was his radio appearances and him kind of explaining the article that that made me want to made me want to bring it up. There's one more topic I want to touch on that that before we take our commercial break, and, and there's some other texts and tweets I need to get to. So if I don't get to it right now, we'll have to uh, we'll we'll save them for the last segment. Yates, let me ask you: should should Murray State make the NCAA tournament? I uh, I mean I would think so. Should they not? You think you think that they should or yes. they will? Or both? I w- I would say both, but I mean they were they're, you know, they've they were what up 25 before they lost in what was it the semis of their conference tournament? During 20 25th lost in the championship game. Oh, in the championship game. So, I mean, 
lost by one on a, a really one of the the craziest games of the season. Uh, I, I think probably the the William and Mary semifinal game of their conference tournament was a little bit better, but but one of the better games of the season lost by one. So yeah, I mean, I, I think they should make it, and I I don't I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. They they had the second longest conference winning streak, or second longest winning streak, not conference winning streak in college basketball behind Kentucky. I think theirs was at twenty five games. Kentucky obviously at thirty one. They finished the Ohio Valley regular season sixteen and 27 and five on the year as of right now. Here's the bad news for Murray State fans, and and I I I want any any team in the Commonwealth to make the tournament if possible. But they're not going to get in. And and if on the show next Tuesday they do, I'll admit that I'm wrong, but I'll be happy that I was wrong. They're not getting in. They have zero good wins. I don't even know who their best win would be. I don't know if they, they, they've beaten Belmont twice, who's a tournament team. I guess maybe they've only beaten Belmont once. They've beaten Belmont, who's a tournament team. That's about it, as far as I'm concerned, or as far as I can see. Their losses came to Houston. They're not making the tournament. Xavier, they will make the tournament. If they'd beaten Xavier back in November, it's so silly that you have to go back to November to find some good games and find some winnable games. Had they beaten Xavier, maybe they make it. They lost... They lost to Portland. They lost to Valparaiso. Those aren't good losses. Val, if Valpo doesn't win their conference, they're not getting in. Portland's not getting in. Houston's not getting in. Murray State's not getting in. And it it, it stinks. But it comes down to comes down to their schedules. It has to be better. And They've got to take it, and they they have to take advantage of their chances when they had a a shot to make the tournament, and that their chance was to beat Belmont in the Ohio Valley Conference tournament. So now the only tournament they're going to make is the NIT, and Trevor texts in and agrees with me. I, I've seen a, a Facebook campaign saying that trying to get Murray State to convince the NCAA selection committee to let them in, saying that they took care of everything they did, but they end up losing one game. Well, the game they lost was the one that they had to win. That was the only game they had to win. They they could have a 25-game winning streak. And that could have been a 21-game losing streak as long as they got hot in the Ohio Valley and they they all they had to do was win that one game. They couldn't do it. They weren't sharp in the against Moorhead State the game before in the conference tournament. They could have very well lost that game and then and then you don't have a shot of getting in, really. So it's a bummer. I, I'd like to see as many Kentucky, like I said, as many Kentucky teams get in as possible. It looks like it's probably just going to be two. Louisville and Kentucky. Murray State, you got you to gotta beef up that out-of-conference schedule. That, I mean, that's the only thing you can do if you're in, there, in that situation. You got to beef it up and, and hope that you can win some of those games. 
when Xavier's your best game on the schedule, and that is their best game on the schedule without a doubt, that's not doing enough. And Cameron Payne, their point, their their guard, he's fantastic. Average twenty points a game, six re, six assists, four rebounds, a little bit of everything. He would have been a fun guy to watch in the tournament. Murray State could have been a team that. And then the funny thing is, if they were the twenty, if they if they had won that game, they probably would have been ranked maybe twenty first in the nation heading into the tournament. I don't know if they do polls, but theoretically, I don't know if they do polls heading into the tournament. But theoretically, they probably would have been twenty first. I mean, maybe they, you know, what seed they would have gotten would have been interesting because when you you have a team ranked that high, you think, okay, well, maybe they're a, a five seed. But with their resume, it's, it looks more maybe like a 10 or 11 seed resume. Would have been interesting to see what seed they got, and I think they could have been a team that could have made a game really interesting. But as you have it, you, you, they had their chance. They had a chance. And it's a bummer that it comes down to just one game after having such a great season, but that's, that's, the, way, that's the way the schedule sets up when you have that week of an out-of-conference schedule, knowing that your conference schedule is pretty bad. The Ohio Valley is not going to be sending three or four or five teams to the tournament. Nobody ever thought that before the season. Nobody ever, nobody obviously thinks it right now. And Trevor says, don't count out Western Kentucky. Ray Harper's teams are conference tournament clutch. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I hope they do well. I hope I'm wrong. They're, they're, they're not winning that conference tournament. I, I, but again, let me let me phrase this. I'm not sure. You might not want to take my advice on who's going to win conference tournaments. I'm doing the Jerome, which is you have a bunch of media members pick conference tournament winners, and some fans do it. I think there's 650 entries. I hate to admit this on the air. As of right now, I'm in 498th. That's not good. Now, the good news is I could have three winners tonight, three conference winners tonight. If I did that, that would move me up at least 100 spots, and we still have 12 to 15 conference tournaments. So I'm not giving up just yet. But as of right now, my record's not great. Uh, but I don't think Western's going to be able to, to win the Conference USA tournament. I took UAB there, and, and it could, it's going to probably be a Western-UAB quarterfinal matchup on Thursday. So maybe I'm wrong. That, that would really hurt me if Western ended up winning that game. Anyways, we're going to head to our last commercial break. When we come back, I'll get to some of your texts and tweets that I have neglected. Stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. To the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here, 1450, the Sports Buzz. I said that we probably weren't going to talk a lot of NFL free agency, but we'll spend, talk a little bit here. Jimmy Graham from the Saints. 
often considered the best tight end in the NFL. Certainly one of them. We'll be going to the Seahawks. I'm not very not happy about that as a Packers fan. There's been some interesting news today. Frank Gore to the to the Colts, and it seemed like he was about ready to sign with the Eagles, and by all reports, he had a last-minute change of heart. Frank Gore is a solid running back, but I'm not sure why everybody's acting like he's Eddie Lacy or this young, great, dominant running back with a promising future. Run DMC weighs in on this. He's a Colts fan, and he says it looks like the Colts are trying to become the Mavericks of the NFL, and by that he means signing a bunch of vets, throwing all the resources, and trying to win a Super Bowl in the next couple seasons. Uh, it also seems that they're going to be trying to get Andre Johnson. I haven't seen if that is official yet. I haven't seen if it's official, but I know that they might seem like the front runners. The Packers have also supposedly been... People have, have spoken about the Packers possibly getting Andre Johnson. But if, and it does seem like the Colts are, they have been doing that the last maybe year or two, getting some older guys, bringing them in. And I'm okay with that. Here's what you have to do. Here's what you have to have if you can do that. You have to have a good quarterback. That's it. If you got a good quarterback, you can bring in old guys around him and continue to bring in old guys around him and continue to bring in old guys around him while, while hoping maybe some of these late-round draft picks turn into something. And, and you can be competitive at that rate. Each team has a different preference and how they do things. And you still have a T.Y. Hilton with the Colts. I'll go on record today, March 10th, the next year's Super Bowl will be Colts and Packers. If you have a good quarterback, you can mold young talent around them. You can bring in older guys that uh, that have experience, maybe on their way down. It all starts with a good quarterback in the NFL. It, it really almost all starts and ends with a good quarterback. So if you want to surround Andrew Luck with T.Y. Hilton and Andre Johnson, and have Frank Gore in the backfield, although I like some of the running backs they had last year, then you're going to be competitive. Andre Johnson has never had a good quarterback throw to him in his life. He says that they're also trying to bring in Vince Wilfork. Yeah, so it doesn't help to have a good defense, too. But Jimmy Graham to the Seahawks. Uh, that will make the uh, Seahawks offense a little bit better. Not so we uh, have to have Marshawn Lynch carry the load for him. So we'll see. It's exciting. NFC is heating up. I'll, I'll say this. If Andre Johnson could go to the Packers, and, and that's probably not going to happen, if, they, if he could go to the Packers without Green Bay having to give up anything or lose anything, and they, they signed they signed Balaga, probably their best offensive lineman. If you could get Andre Johnson to the Packers with Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson, 
I would say that's the best offense in the history of NFL football. Now, I know that sounds crazy, and I know that it, that might be, and it's probably not going to happen because Andre Johnson probably won't go to the Packers. But I'm just saying, Green Bay's offense, even with, you can give Jimmy Graham to the Seahawks, I'm still taking Green Bay's offense over Seattle's. And I'm obviously a Packers fan, but Rodgers significantly better than Russell Wilson. Lynch is better than Lacey, but for how much longer? And then Graham's great, but give me Nelson and Cobb. It's an arms race in the NFC. It'll be fun to see how all of it plays out. Enough NFL football talk, though. We've got some exciting basketball games tonight. The the real fun starts tomorrow and, and maybe not really even until Thursday. That's when Louisville will finally play. But you'll get some better games tomorrow. Uh, you'll have the West Coast Conference Championship, BYU-Gonzaga. That's a rematch of about what? About a week ago, two weeks ago? BYU went to Gonzaga, won on the Zags' home floor. They'll play tonight in Las Vegas. BYU's not necessarily a lock to get in the tournament. I think they probably will. A win, obviously, today would tonight would, would get them in and would certainly be a lock. ACC tournament started today. Boston College beats Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech lost so many close games this year. They weren't a great team, but they did. They were on the. They they weren't lucky. You could say that. Wake Forest, Virginia Tech going at it now in the ACC. Robert Morris, St. Francis, Brooklyn. Tonight in the Northeast Conference Championship. I need Robert Morris to win there. Let's go, Bobby Moe. Horizon League Championship, Green Bay versus Valpo. The Summit League Championship, North Dakota State, South Dakota State. So you're going to have some more tickets punched tonight. It'll be fun to see how, how those games play out. SEC tournament starts tomorrow. For fans going down to Nashville. Had some people disagree with me yesterday on the rankings after the show of if you were going to follow Kentucky, where should you go? And I had Louisville last on that. A lot of people said that Louisville should be a priority. And if you're going to Louisville, maybe spend a, a few uh, more money on tickets because you probably won't have to get a hotel room, to fit, depending on where you're coming from. But if you live in Louisville, obviously you wouldn't need a hotel room. So a lot of people said that would be the best place to see Kentucky because you could get the value of the NCAA tournament, the fun atmosphere of having a ton of UK fans in downtown Louisville all together. Yes, tickets are going to be expensive, but you know you save money on gas, you save money on hotel. You end up saving money for the experience that you can have down in Nashville, for the experience that you can have up in Cleveland for a lot cheaper. Yeah, that makes sense. I understand that. I, I still would disagree. The SEC tournament's just a different animal because you get three games in three days if Kentucky wins. And then up in Cleveland, again, that's a bigger trip. You gotta you're gonna have to stay for a few days. Tickets are going to be expensive there, too. But that is Sweet 16 Elite Eight. That's anybody who's been to an Elite Eight game versus a second-round game. Oh, I mean, there's a huge difference. They're not even comparable in terms of the atmosphere, the pressure, the buildup. 
and then Indy in the Final Four in the National Championship. Well, you know, I don't even have to. I don't even have to go in detail for that. But it'll be interesting. Kentucky fans have a lot of good local options here over the next four weeks on where they want to see their Cats play, assuming things go as planned. No safe assumption. They, they could lose in Louisville and the season be over. I, I doubt that happens, but we'll see. Some more NFL news. Rams are close to trading Sam Bradford to Philadelphia for Nick Foles and draft pick compensation per sources. Not my sources. Adam Scheffner's sources. That's interesting. That seems – I don't know what either team's really getting out of that. Huh. NFL – NFL free agency. It, it is it, to me. This is a lot more inter- exciting and entertaining than the draft, but it doesn't get nearly the coverage. All right. Well, it was a good impromptu show today. We weren't supposed to have anything, and we had some problems and some hiccups early in the show. I'm glad we were able to get by those. Probably spent a little too much time talking Dan Shaughnessy, but only an hour. It can fly by. But thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your night. We'll be back Thursday. And again, if for some reason we can do the show tomorrow, I'll let everybody know via Twitter. Thanks for everybody that participated in the show today. Stay dry, and we'll see you on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Uh, they say welcome to the 502 Take the Jordan boy, show them how Kentucky do Oak Priest Classics, paint Kentucky blue They say don't forget 27, no be hitting two Song call it bluegrass, song call it purple I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron Lay back in the lap and take two